Good morning. Welcome to all those joining us for Likute Alochas, Yoradeya Chelek Aleph, Hilchas Giluach, Halacha Hei, Paragraph Yud, which is based on Torah Chof Aleph in Likute Maran. We dedicate the learning today, Li'ilui Nishmas, Fega Bas Rebavram Boruch, and Yitzchok Meir Brebichil Michal, and Malkud Voira Bas Rebavram Tzvi, and Moshe ben Betzalel Leib, whose yard sites are all today on the 11th of Teves. And we dedicate the learning for a complete refuah shalema for all those that need it, including Chavivachana Bazgalia, Michoel Yaakov ben Idis, Gershon Chanoi Chenech ben Rochel, Yehudis Baschana, Chayabrocha Basperel, Menachem ben Rishabasha, Yaakov Yeshua ben Freindel Rechel, Shlomen Isim ben Mazel, Avram Dove ben Chana, in the Chasa Baschana, Sorigitl Baschana Riva, Miriam Esther Basorigitl, Gitgenendel Basipoira, Gabriela Sora Bastalia Rivka, Esther Rivka Leia Basmalka, Leia Alexandra Baschaya Rezel, Gabriela Sora Yuto Baschaya Rezel, David Lei Ben Shena, Shirad Voira Basmiriam, Avigail Brocha Basshirad Voira, Jonas Ben Hilda, Idis Bas Miriam Brindel, Tuv Yitzvi Ben Chayaliza, Eitan Yoel Ben Edna, Yerachmiel Yisrael Doiv Ben Frumet Nechama, Yosef Ben Mazel, Toiva Bas Chava Perel, Sora Bas Odel, Simcha Bas Sora, Osa Ben Yehudis, Rivka Chana Bas Sheshana, Besoich Shar Choy Yisrael. Paragraph Yud, Ubishvil Zeh, Meyen Moishe Rabbeinu Harbe Bishlichusoi, Based on what we've been learning here till now, we'll understand why Moshe Rabbeinu kept refusing to undertake the mission of take Klaus, taking Klal Yisrael out of Mitzrayim when Hashem sent him to do that. And Moshe Rabbeinu came back at Hashem with all kinds of arguments. If the Yid not going to ask me, what's, what's his name? What shall I say to them? And then, they're not going to believe me. And so too other arguments. Until at the end, Moshe Rabbeinu says to Hashem, don't send me, send the one who you're going to send to finish the job. I know that I'm not going to finish the job. Because Moshe Rabbeinu knew that it's very difficult to be able to infuse Klal Yisrael with Das, because they had not yet purified themselves to the degree that a person needs to purify themselves to be able to receive this Das. Because it's well known that Klal Yisrael at that time were not really worthy of being taken out of Mitzrayim. You had not purified yourself in waters to deserve, to deserve for Hashem to save you. Add until the Pasuk says afterwards, Hashem said, I passed over you and I saw that you were still dripping in blood, meaning you still were not clean. Because 
Therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu understood that it would be very difficult to be able to bring the true Das into Klal Yisrael. Upon which was dependent the entire Geula. Remember, we explained in the previous year, the Pasuk says, Lochein Golo Ami Mibli Das. That Golos means lack of Das. Geula means Shleimus Hadas. And Moshe Rabbeinu understood that they weren't ready yet, really. They hadn't made all the preparations that were needed to be able to receive this Shleimus Hadas that Moshe Rabbeinu could offer them. However, Hashem forced Moshe Rabbeinu to go. Hashem insisted. hadas and to shine into them whatever das he could, and to take them out of Mitzrayim. Because Hashem had Rachmanus on Klal Yisrael, especially based on the merit of Avram Yitzchok Yaakov, v'dileg al and Hashem skipped over the real official time when Klal Yisrael was supposed to go out of Mitzrayim. We were supposed to spend 400 years there, and Hashem cut it down to, to 210. As it says in Shia Shirin, The voice of my beloved one has arrived, skipping over the mountains. That word, medaleg, ledaleg, to skip over. Mekapet salagvois, jumping over the hills. And as it says in Pirkei de Rebeliezer, Hashem saw that if he's not going to do something serious to shine some das into Klal Yisrael at that time, how is the Geula going to take place? Hashem saw that it's impossible to wait to take the Eden Adam Mitzrayim only after they've purified the seven openings of the head, the seven candles, properly. In a manner where they'll be worthy and qualified to receive makifin, to receive new seichel based on their purity. Hashem saw that cannot wait for that. Because the Yitzhahara is very strong. And if Hashem is going to wait, the Yidna are going to sink completely in the Golos and the Tum of Mitzrayim to such an extent where it'll be impossible to get them out. Kamuva, as is brought in the Al Shech HaKodosh, that had Hashem waited one more second than he did, the Yidin would have been stuck there permanently. This is the secret behind what the Torah says, that they had to make matzahs because they couldn't wait as is known in the Sifrei Kabbalah. Therefore Hashem had Rachmanus on them, and Hashem skipped over the real official time when we should have gone out. 
Veheir bohem heoras hadas aidei Moshe Rabbeinu. And in Mitzrayim, Hashem shined upon Klal Yisrael a light of das through Moshe Rabbeinu, who is the epitome of das. Heora nifla, a wondrous light. Even though we were not deserving of that light, we weren't worthy of it based on our own actions. And as a result of Moshe Rabbeinu coming on the scene and shining some das into us, that's what inspired us and motivated us to do tshuva. As it says in Shira Shirim, Moshcheni acharechon arutza. Draw me to you, and I'll run after you. Ukein shepirush Rashi shom. As Rashi explains over there, that when Hashem reached out to Klal Yisrael, even a little bit, He threw us a rope through Moshe Rabbeinu, we came running. Avladayin hoyolahem bechira gedoyla. However, even with Moshe Rabbeinu, there still we still had major choice to make. Because we were still suffering from many questions, many things we didn't understand. The Zohar Kodesh says that when it says in the beginning of Golos Mitzrayim, we're going to read it next week, Parsha Shemois. It says there that the, the Mitzrayim imposed on us avoido kosho bechoymer ubelevenim. So the Zohar Kodesh says avoido kosho Kosha means kushya, it's questions. They, they bombarded Klal Yisrael with all kinds of questions. Bechomer, bechumra desugya. The chumra means difficulty. The difficulty in being able to understand Hashem's actions. Ubelevenim, belibuna, libuna desugya. Being malabein desugya means clarifying it, whitening, whitening the darkness. Because Klal Yisrael had not yet achieved the knowledge that, that, that we were supposed to, that we could have. Because we weren't qualified for it, we weren't ready for it. Because we had not yet purified the seven candles. Because because even the das, the little bit of das that we did get at that time by Moshe Rabbeinu coming to us, even that we received it in the form of chesed, rachmem. It was an act of kindness of Hashem. We were not worthy of it. And this was the cause and the reason behind all the different times that they tested Hashem and tested Moshe Rabbeinu and had all kinds of questions on Hashem. All of that was the result of what we just mentioned. Because we had not received the das that we needed, because we had not made the proper preparations to prepare ourselves to be worthy of receiving it. 
וכנ"ל, as we discussed earlier. ואיקר מה שהויו לישראל, and the main thing that helped us and saved us at the time, שאף על פי כן, that even though we didn't make the proper preparations, and even though we weren't worthy, אבל פי כן רובם ככולם נשארו הלומדם. The majority of Klal Yisrael did remain loyal, whose chus avaysam was the merit of our forefathers, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, the chus of their good deeds, the ribuy hatzokos shetzokos al Hashem, and also the, the major screaming that Klal Yisrael did, screaming and pleading with Hashem to help us. As it says there in the beginning of Chumash Mois, where it says in, in Parshas Vayra, Vegam Hakimoisi es brisi itchem, that the reason I'm taking you out of Mitzrayim is to fulfill the bris, the covenant that I made with your forefathers. I promised them that you're going to be in Mitzrayim and I'm going to take you out. Vegam, Vegam, and in addition, Anishomati es nakas b'nei Yisrael. I heard the outcry of Klal Yisrael. So these were the two major factors that, that saved us, that got us out, and, and allowed most of us to hang on. Because as we explained earlier, based on Torah Chafala from the Kutimran, the most powerful thing that gives a person the ability to learn new things, to take the moichen out of their state of hiddenness, is screaming to Hashem, crying out to Hashem. Tsa'akosenu yoidea ta'alumais, it says in Ona Bechoyach. Our tsa'aka is what gives us the ability to get to know things that were previously hidden from us. So, okay, this is thousands of years ago. What does this have to do with me? And everything we've described here is not history, it's not a story, it's a message, it's a lesson for us. Each and every single one of us has to know this all the time. Everything we described in the past few shirim here, every single one of us goes through this and a person who understands something good and a person who wants the real truth again note Rav Nosenzal is using this word he's telling us that all of Klal Yisrael compared to the Goyim is emes compared to Sheker and the Torah compared to everything else, the Torah is called Torah Semes. But in Torah, in Orthodox Judaism, there are levels and levels and levels of Emes. And Rav Nosenzal says, a person who's not willing to settle for less, a person who wants the best, a person who wants the Emes Lamitoi, I want the real truth. Yoven mize eitzois vehischaskus the person will be able to understand from what we learned here advice and encouragement as to how to come close to the essence of truth. And when a person sees that all kinds of questions are coming into their mind, questioning Hashem, questioning the Torah, questioning the Tzadikim, 
questioning ourselves. The person has to realize that the best way to address this is to scream to Hashem, to cry out to Hashem. Because a person is going to learn. A person will say, I don't understand. I'll take out a Gemara and I'll learn. I'll take out a Likute Moran and I'll learn. The person needs to know that Gemara and Likute Moran are not chemistry and biology. Chemistry and biology, you can learn by reading the books. You can read the books. Torah is divine knowledge. It's divine knowledge. And a person can learn Torah. Two people could be learning the same Torah. One person's getting 25 watts and another person's getting 1,000 volts or 1,000 watts. And the difference, one of the major differences is how much tefillah. How much when the person davens in the morning, they say the birchas ha-Torah with kavona, sher kiddushonu b'mitzvoyso v'tzivonu l'asoik b'divrei soira. Saying those brachas with kavana, putting one's heart into it, and having his this pleading with Hashem, Hashem, let me be zeichet to see the emes of the Torah. Because I, I've mentioned in the past, the Bnei Socher, in one of his forum brings, that for a person to be zeichet to the emes of the Torah is a higher madrega than Gilui Elianovi. The Gemara speaks about great, great tzaddikim who was zeichet that Elianovi revealed himself to them. And that that's an incredible high madrega a person has to be zeichet to. The Gemara says one of the tanoim, I believe it was Rav Onon, if I'm not mistaken, Elianovi used to visit him regularly, and then one day he made a slight, slight error, Elianovi stopped coming, he didn't come. This is by the tanoim, the amoyroim in the Gemara. So he says that for a person to be zeichet to the emes of the Torah is a higher madrega than that. And he gives a proof from the Gemara in Gittin towards the beginning, Davov, Davzaim, the Gemara there mentions Rabbi Evyosar. And the Gemara mentions that Rabbi Evyosar met Elianovi and they, they discussed something. And then later on, a little bit later, there's a discussion, Rabbi Evyosar said something, and maybe it's not like that, maybe it's like this, and maybe it's like... I don't understand, you told me a few minutes ago that he's talking to Elianovi. We have a question as to whether he understands properly what, what, the, what the Torah is saying. And he says, from here we see that to be zeichet to the emes of the Torah is a higher madrega than Gilead Yanovi, which teaches us that you can have hundreds or thousands of people learning Torah, and they're, they're, getting, they're getting it. They're getting a little. They're getting 25 watts, 35 watts, 100 watts. They don't know that there's a billion watts. They don't know that in Torah there's pshat, remez, drush, soy. Just yesterday I had the privilege of hearing that my, my grandson, one of my grandsons, made a siyum on, on, on a Mishnah. And he was so excited and he's on top of the world. He knows everything. He mamish knows everything. But, but we know that there's hundreds of Mishnahs. There's much more Mishnahs to go. And then there's Gemara. And then there's Rashi and Toysfis. It said there's levels and levels and levels. And Rabbein Zal puts tremendous emphasis on this, that for a person to really get the benefits of Torah and Das requires a lot, a lot of tefillah. Question in the chat, aren't we now in the same situation as in Mitzrayim? The answer is no. In some ways, we're in a worse situation. In Mitzrayim, there was Hastorah. 
Now we're in Hastoro Shebetoy Hastoro. Where is our Moshe Rabbeinu? The answer is, he's right here. He's right here. He's right here in the Sforim of the Tzadikim Amitiyim, in the Talmidim of the Tzadikim Amitiyim. Rav Nosson Zal said it in the previous year we had it. And, and uh, the Zohar HaKadosh says, Moshe Isa Bechol Dora Vadora. Moshe Rabbeinu is found in every generation. It's just a few thousand years ago, he was more obvious. And today it's less obvious. But if a person wants to connect to Moshe Rabbeinu, he can do it today through these Sforim. These Sforim are, are the most powerful, clearest connection to Moshe Rabbeinu. It's also clear that we have the Torah now, and Mitzvah didn't have the Torah. So we already have the Urah. Exactly. Here we're referring to Mitzrayim when they had not yet received the Torah. We had this several times in the Kutalachas, where Rabbi Nassim showed the difference between Pesach and Shavuos. That Pesach, because we haven't yet received the Torah, even though we have Moshe Rabbeinu, no questions. Matzah, quick, run, run, don't walk, don't think, don't try to analyze. But Shavuos, Shavuos, we bring a Koshte Alechem from Chametz, Chametz. Shavuos, after we receive the Torah, now put on the brakes a little. Now you're allowed to ask, you're allowed to learn those questions that are allowed to be asked. That, that on Shavuos, Chametz is permissible. Now you're allowed, when a person's in a fire, when a person's in, in, in quicksand, they have to jump out of there, get out of there as quick as possible. No analysis, no discussions, just run, run and get out of there. And once the person gets out, then there's a slow process of healing, getting healed completely, which requires thinking, healthy thinking, healthy analysis. It's interesting. Just recently, a person approached me with a question. Parents passed away, and there was a, an inheritance left, and there's an opportunity to, to do something. The, 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 the children feel tremendous gratitude and appreciation for their parents, and they want to do something big for the parents. Like what? Like having a Sefer Torah written in their memory, dedicating and donating a Sefer Torah in memory of the parents. We know that there are many people that do that. It's a wonderful thing. It's a tremendous mitzvah. It's very special. And they mentioned it to me, and I started looking into it, and it, a, a process, there were many delays for different reasons. <clears throat> and then I had another conversation with the person, and the person said that they've been thinking about it, and they want to know, is this really the best thing I could possibly do for my parents? Because I, I, I believe it's important, special, but I want to know, is this the best thing I can do? And when I heard that question, I remembered and understood that there are other things. But I wanted to double check and I spoke to two close friends, two Rabbonim, and, I, and, and everyone came up with the same answer, that the Gemara tells us that a Sefer Torah, a Sefer Torah is very, very special. But the Gemara says, imagine how foolish are those people who stand up for a Sefer Torah and they don't stand up for a Talmud Chacham. The Gemara makes a Kal V'chaymer. Imagine, look how silly they are that they want $25 and they don't want $100.
They stand up for a Sefer Torah, and they don't stand up for a living Sefer Torah, which is so much greater. And the Gemara and the Shulchan Aruch tell us that supporting Talmidei Chachamim, who are learning Torah, is even a higher level than writing a Sefer Torah. It's even a higher Madrega. But interestingly enough, one of the Rabbonim said to me, but most people will, will have difficulty with that. They'll have a problem with that because people want to see something physical. They want to know a Sefer Torah. I know it's written. It'll be around for 50, 100 years, 200 years possibly. Supporting a Talmud Chacham, okay, I'm going to help him. He's going to have breakfast. He'll have lunch. I'll support him for a month. He'll buy a suit. That'll have a, but it, it looks like that's something that goes away much more quickly. And the answer is, this is one of the differences between the MS and the MS La'amitoi. Person looks in the Torah, a Sefer Torah is fabulous, it's a very good thing, very special. Is it the best? It's, it's very, very good. Is it the best? If you really want the best, there is something better. There is something even bigger than that. And this story occurred with Rav Nosanzal. Rav Nosanzal, as a child, had a tremendous gift of clarity of mind. His Rebbe's in Yeshiva said that they enjoyed his simple pshat better than all the chakiris and the questions that his friends used to try to come up with, to try to show how smart they are. That when Rav Nosanzal learned something, it was crystal clear, and, and his Rebbe saw that and appreciated it. Now he got older, when he was 13 years old, he was already on a level that his father-in-law, who was one of the giants of the generation at the time, saw this young man and saw what the level he was on and saw the potential and took him as a son-in-law for his daughter. And then Rav Nassim continued learning, learning full-time, studying, learning and learning. And then at the age of 16, he started learning with a chavrusa who came from a background of Hasidus. Now, up until then, Rav Nosanzal had been inculcated with tremendous negative feeling towards Hasidus and Hasidim. He had been told his family, his own family and the people he grew up with, but especially his father-in-law, who was recognized as one of the giants of the generation. That they called him Reb David Tzvi Hagodol, the great Reb David Tzvi. That's how he was called. Reb David Tzvi Oyerbach. And, and his father-in-law had seen things that disturbed him about Hasidus. And as a result of that, he would lecture his children and sons-in-law daily, Rab Nassanzal says. Imagine, he felt this was so critical that whenever he had an opportunity, he would tell them, stress to them, stay away from Hasidim, stay away from Hasidus. And Rab Nassanzal writes that he spent a winter learning with this Chavrusa, a whole winter, and in the process of learning, periodically they got into arguments about Hasidus. And Rav Nosanzal says after months of these arguments, and you could imagine Rav Nosanzal wasn't a, wasn't a pushover. He had what to say. And still he said he realized that his Chavrusa, his friend, was right. That there were things in the, the, that when it came to the mitzvahs related to the heart, tefillah and things like that, the Hasidim had a, a, an advantage, a major advantage over those that weren't Hasidim at the time. And Rav Nosanzal began a six-year search in the Olam HaChasidus. 
going to the giants of the Jet Reblevitz of Bardichev, Rebmeyer Paprush, Sadiqim giants, each one of them superstars, and spending months, months or years by some of them, learning from them, and then still still wasn't satisfied, still felt there's there's more, there's better. And then he found Rabbeinazal. At the end of six years, when he was 22, he found Rabbeinazal. And from the first meeting, he saw that this is something different. This is another level. Rabbi Yitzhak Bardichev, Zechet Tzadik V'Kodesh Levrocha, who Rabbeinazal called the Pe'er Hador, the beauty of the generation. He was very great, but this is something different. This is another league, another level. Even though Rabbeinazal at the time was a few years older than Rav Nosanzal. And, and Rav Nosanzal started learning from him, and then at one point, Rav Nosanzal's father-in-law at that point offered him a position. He told him that he was grooming him to take over his position as a poisek, a, a poisek of a whole major, major district, not a city, a whole major district of Klal Yisrael and to be able to learn full-time, to be learning full-time, and answering questions for Klal Yisrael. And, and no concern at all about Parnassah, no worry about Parnassah, that kind of position was a very respected and respectable position. Parnassah, no problem. Rav Nosanzal went to Rav Enazal, and he, he said to him, I have this opportunity being offered to me to be able to be a Dayan and a... a a, a rov, a major rov, is is a, is, is, is a right thing for me. And Rabbi Nezal said, Nishkosha, good, good. Rabbi Nezal heard it, and, and he didn't hear what he wanted to hear. Somehow he felt, good isn't, isn't, doesn't tell me that this is really what I'm supposed to be doing. And then he waited for another opportunity, and he mentioned it to Rabbi Nezal another time, and Rabbi Nezal gave the same answer, Nishkoshen. Nishkoshen, yeah, like, why not? Why not? Why not? And, and Rabbi Nezal felt, because he was so, so serious in his search for the Emes, because he was so allergic to Sheker, to any iota, to anything that wasn't real, real Emes, he wasn't satisfied. And then at another opportunity, he approached Rabbi Nezal and said, Rabbi, please, I want to know the emes or emes. Tell me the real truth. Is this what I should be doing? And Rabbi Nezal said to him, you want to know the real emes? Medaf and kvorim. That was the expression he used, a Yiddish expression, for which something like that today in, in English would be, you have to burn rubber. You've got to run. You, you, you have to, you, you're not looking for a job, a respectable, nice, uh, pleasant job. You have a different mission completely. And had Rav Nosanzal taken that position, we wouldn't be learning Likut HaLochas today. <coughs> there wouldn't be thousands or hundreds of thousands of Jews over the past 200 years who have benefited from the teachings of Rav Nosanzal. <coughs> Rav Nosanzal got the message, and for the next eight years, he stuck to Rav Nosanzal. He did everything he possibly could and took on the world, just like Avram Avinu was called Avraham Ho'ivri. Ivri means the other side. He was on one side, and the rest of the world was on the other side. Incredible opposition. They called Avram Avinu an apikoiris, because he went against the tide. 
Everybody believes in idols, and this Meshuggah, this year, doesn't. And, and Rabbi Nelson Zal got it from everywhere, every, from the people closest to him, his close friends who respected him and loved him. He came from a, an aristocratic family. His parents were wealthy, religious, Talmud Chachamim, everything. And his friends pulled away from him. And, and family pulled away from him. His father was upset at him. His wife, his own wife, was super angry at him. And for, for, this went on for a few years. And Rav Nassazal persisted and persisted. He saw that this is the emes la'amitoi. This is the highest level of emes I've ever come across in my entire life. All the Rabbonim I had were all good. Everybody was good. Everybody was emes, different levels of emes. But this is another level. This is a higher level. And, and Baruch Hashem, thanks to his search for the emes la'amitoi, and thanks to his screaming, screaming to Hashem, and thanks to him working on himself to purify the Shiva Saneros. Take a look at a Likute Tfilois, eight, seven, eight hundred pages of Rav Nelson Zal's Hispoidus, pleading, begging Hashem to help him improve in every way possible in his relationship with Hashem, in his relationship with, with Yidin. Thanks to that, that Baruch Hashem, we have the Sriya of being here. Last night I had the privilege of attending a siyum on Likute Halachis, a siyum that was dedicated in memory of one of the art sites we mentioned today, Rabbi Yitzchok Meir. And this is a, a, a grandson of Rav Rosenfeld, Zechran of Racha. Rav Rosenfeld was a Breslov Chosid. Rav Rosenfeld taught Talmidim, and their Talmidim had children, and one of those young men who's a working man, a person who works full-time supporting a family, Kanai Nahara, with 10 children, and, and made a siyum on Likutei Alochis, 4,000 pages, and made a siyum at the same time on Seder Moyed of Shas, learning Dafyoimi Gemara at the same time, and a siyum of Mishnayis. And, and all of this, where, did that, where does a person get that fuel, that fire to do that? It's from these pages, it's from this Moshe Rabbeinu, from Rabbeinu Zal, Rav Zal, and their Sforim, to be able to get the, the fire that's needed in today's times. A person who's not learning full-time, a working person and raising a family, to be able to have the, the motivation to, to persist another page and another page to be zeichet to accomplish such a thing. This paragraph Yeralev, and with this we'll understand an incredible insight regarding Hashem's first official meeting with Moshe Rabbeinu, <coughs> which was at the burning thorn bush that Moshe Rabbeinu saw. Moshe Rabbeinu saw, this thorn bush, thorns usually burn pretty quickly. He saw this thorn bush burning with fire, and yet the thorns are not being destroyed. Upirish Rashi Shon, Rashi Kodesh explains there, Shashem Isborach Nizgaleloi Mitoy Chasneh Mishum Imoyanoichi Betzora. That the reason why Hashem revealed himself to Moshe Rabbeinu in this manner was to show him thorns, thorns are painful. Thorns represent golos. When a person's in prison, they're getting pricked by thorns. 
And Hashem wanted to show him that the fire is in the thorn bush. The fire is Hashem, Kaviyachal. Hashem is called Eish Oichla. That Hashem is with the Jews in our suffering. That when we're in Golos, Hashem is right there. The Arizal says, These are the names of the Jewish people who went down to Mitzrayma. The word Mitzrayma is Bigimatria Shechina. The Jews are in Mitzrayim, that's where the Shechina is. Hainu, ki hasneu This the thorn bush represents the thorns and the thistles which surround the heavenly roads. The the opening line in the Zohar Kodesh quotes the, this pasuk in Shurashim, Kishoishana bein achoychim, like a rose among the thorns. So too are the Jewish people surrounded by the other nations. And so too is the Shekhinah surrounded by all the Klippos, all the forces of Tumah that want to, to draw from it. The word Shoshana is Bigimatria Esther. Esther, which is one of the names of the Shekhinah. The thorns here represent the questions and the, the paradoxes that those people who don't believe in Hashem, they, they throw those questions at, 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 uh, uh, against Hashem, they question Hashem, and they question those who are really close to Hashem, the true tzaddikim. Shemishom Iker Arichas Hagolos. And this is the main reason behind why we are in such a long exile now. The Gemara says the Jews went in that when was Yerushalayim destroyed? When our emuna fell. When our emuna fell. Lack of emuna. And what causes lack of emuna? These philosophers, these scientists who are challenging faith, challenging religion. That's why Hashem revealed Himself to Moshe Rabbeinu inside of this thorn bush, meaning that there are these questions that surround Hashem Kaviyochol. Vero'o Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu saw shahasne boyer boish that the thorn bush is burning. Vahasne einanu ukol, and the thorns are not being destroyed. Hainu she'esh digdusha shehi hisgalos das hatoyra shehi bechinas rish beish. This holy fire, which represents knowledge of Torah, the Pesach says, and the Torah is called Rishpeish, fire. This fire of Torah is always involved in trying to destroy the klipos, the forces of Tumah, these thorns and thistles. To, to, to eliminate all of the atheism, the denial of Hashem, and all the questions, the philosophical questions and paradoxes. And yet it, it doesn't end. Because the, these questions still exist. These questions and these paradoxes. 
And this is what amazed Moshe Rabbeinu, and he said, Let me turn and, and, and look carefully at this incredible sight. Why in the world is this thorn bush not being destroyed? And Hashem responded to him, Take off your shoes. From your feet. Regarding a person learning new things and getting to understand what they don't understand yet, there are levels and le- infinite levels. Because we're taught this is the reward that Sadiqim are going to have in Olam Haba, that they're constantly going to be learning new things. They're constantly be going higher and higher, higher and higher levels of recognition of Hashem. Which every single person will receive in Olam Haba based on that person's value, based on how much that person made an effort to serve Hashem in this world. Because this concept of achieving the knowledge that we don't have yet, that's what the Gemara means when the Gemara says, That in the future, Tzadikim are going to be sitting and their crowns will be in their heads. Not al-roshehem, bi-roshehem. An Torah is something that surrounds a person. La'atorah means to circle, to surround. The Torah, the makifin, will be bi-roshehem. We're going to be constantly achieving new makifin. As Rabbein Ezel writes over there in chapter 21 of Likud Imran, this is what the Gemara is referring to in Baba Basra, when the Gemara says each and every tzaddik is going to be burned from the chuppah of his friend. The chuppah of his friend, chuppah is the outside, the surrounding part of, of his friend, is going to be so high a level that it's going to burn him. He's not going to be ready for that high level light. Ayin Shom, look over there in Torah Chafalif where Rabbi Nezal speaks about this. All of the questions that, 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 that these philosophy books and these philosophers have and the scientists, all the things that they can't understand, all come from these makifin which we haven't yet achieved. And even a person who has learned a lot of new things, they have achieved a lot of makifin. That person also still has other makifin that they have not yet achieved, that things they don't understand yet. And that's what causes even that person who has achieved a lot of knowledge, high-level knowledge, that that person also has makifin. They also have things that they don't understand. And so too, higher and higher. 
to the point where there was such high level makifim shegam hatzadik hagodol mo'oy bekedusha gedoyla adayin hu tzorich lekadesh esatzmoy oy yoiser veyoiser ad sheyasigam elo makifim to the point where there are such high level makifim that even the great tzadik has to the greatest tzadikim still have to purify themselves <coughs> more and more to be able to achieve those makifin. The Arizal was asked by Rabbi, Rabbi Chaim Vitalzal, Rabbi, how did you get to your level? And one of the answers he gave him was, I worked very hard. Rabbi Chaim Vital wasn't satisfied. He said, so did they. So did the other Rabbonim in this generation, the Al Sheikh HaKodesh, the Beis Yosef, other tzaddikim. What made you so different worlds from all of them? And the Arizal said, I worked harder. And he gave him an example. There are times that I would work for days and nights to understand something in the Zohar Kodesh. And I felt that I got it. I thought I understood it. I went further. And a week later, a few weeks later, I got a message that my, my understanding was not right. It wasn't right yet. And I would go back and fast and be mispala, beg Hashem, plead with Hashem to be Zohar to understand it until I got... People think the Arizal, Rabbi Shimon Bar abracadabra. They did an abracadabra and they got all the knowledge. Rabbi Shimon Bar spent 13 years in the cave without a change of clothes. Had to, had to remove their clothing and lie in sand for 13 years in order to, to purify and purify and to, to achieve higher and higher levels to be able to get to the level of being able to know and reveal the secrets of Torah that he got to. And this was Hashem's response to Moshe Rabbeinu, Remove your shoes from your feet. And the Tikkun Zoyar in chapter 21 explains, Sherom that he had to cleanse himself, he had to strip away the body which, which the daughter of Paroi, Basia, had touched when she took him out of the water. We know that it's brought that Basia Basparoi went down to the waters at that time to dip herself from her avoidazoras, from all the idol worship, to purify herself from all the idol worship. And she touched Moshe Rabbeinu, and the Tikkun Ezra says, because of that, on his level, that was a pigam. That caused his body to be damaged to a degree. And Hashem said to him, remove your shoes. The Zohar Kodesh says, na'al do itza. The shoes are the woman, the wife. <clears throat> because the Gemara says a person should sell everything he has to be Zohar to marry a bas talmud chacham. And the Gemara uses the same exact wording, a person should sell everything he has to buy a good pair of shoes, to have good shoes. So the, the shoes represent the wife. Hainu Hashem responded to Moshe Rabbeinu, Sha'afilu hu that even Moshe Rabbeinu, who at that time was approximately 80 years old and had spent years in the deserts, screaming to Hashem, pleading with Hashem when he was in Ethiopia for 40 years and when he was in Midian screaming to Hashem and everything still even he 
cannot destroy the thorns and koitzim, shehim kol hamavuchais, which are all of these questions, kim alidei sheyafshit mimenu gufoi, without stripping away his body. Afal pi shebevadai kvarhoyo gufoi kodosh ma'oid bigdushin eflor. Despite the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu's body at that time was definitely on an incredible high level of holiness, Afal pi despite that, since there is a slight attachment to Klippa, to the Klippas Noiga, the Zohar Kodesh says there, as a result of coming into contact with Bas Paroi at that time, even though who is Bas Paroi, the Arizal says that at night when he would go to sleep, he went up to Shamayim and he had a special pass. He had a visa, a global visa. He had an invitation to any and all yeshivas in heaven that he wanted to go to. And he describes the different yeshivas. He, the Arizal. He explains there was a Masifta Ilo, Masifta Derakia, and the yeshiva of this Tana, and the yeshiva of this Sadiq. And he says there's the yeshiva of Basia Basparoi. She has her own yeshiva in heaven. Imagine what kind of madrega we're talking about. But at that time when she was going down to Toivel, from, from, from Avoidezora, there was still, the Tikkun Ezora explains, there was still an aspect of Klipas Noiga, of the Rav Klipas Noiga attached, and the fact that Moish Rabbeinu came into contact with that meant there was a tiny, tiny pigam. Tzorichato lahafshit hakoil mikoil vakoil. And therefore, Moish Rabbeinu has to strip himself completely from everything in order for him to be able to achieve these incredible high-level makifin that will answer all of these questions. Now, if this is Moshe Rabbeinu, you can be sure that the rest of us, that the rest of Klal Yisrael, who have not purified ourselves and achieved real Kedusha at all. Therefore, we certainly cannot achieve the makifin, all the knowledge, the things that we don't know, to completion. And that's why we still have these questions and doubts about Hashem, about the Tzadikim, which are these thorns, this thorn bush that surrounds the Shekhinah, the Kedusha. Therefore, this thorn bush is burning. It's burning from the Torah and the wisdom that the Tzadikim reveal. However, despite that, it hasn't yet been destroyed completely, these klipois. A thorn makes a hole in a person, it punches a hole in a person. These thorns, these thorns are still making holes and, and biting our das and our hearts, the Jewish hearts. As a result of these questions, the questions and the, the doubts, this is all because we haven't yet 
really begun to strip away our gashmias, our body that's, that's damaged from all the pigomen. And we haven't yet purified the shivas aneiros, the seven candles, the seven openings of the head properly. There Hashem was referring to Klal Yisrael. The difference between Moshe Rabbeinu and Klal Yisrael at that time, when they were just, they, they were still in Egypt, they were still surrounded by klipos, every kind of klipa and tumah. We find the Zohar Kodesh says there that this is why when it comes to the Pora Aduma, the Pora Aduma is a nuclear weapon to purify Klal Yisrael. It's the most powerful detergent, ammonia. It can even purify a person who has Thomas Mess. And yet, the one who's involved in the process becomes Tomei in the process. Because he's coming into contact with people that are Tomei, he receives a slight tumor. He becomes Tomei Tumas Erev. He has to wait till the evening and, t- and then he's okay. But he was able to take people who were Tome seven, where it took seven days of purification and two rounds of sprinkling ashes at Paraduma, he's able to purify them, but he gets affected in the process. The Zohar says the same thing was the, the person on Yom Kippur, the one who led the soil Azosel out of the Beis Samikdosh to be thrown off the mountain upon which all the sins of all Chal Yisrael were transferred onto that Sor Lazozel, he becomes Tomei, a slight Tumah. It says, V'chibes begodot. He has to wash his clothing. And this is the concept of the Tzadikim, those Tzadikim who are involved in outreach, who mingle with, with people who are not yet pure. They have to constantly be purifying themselves. Rabbi Nezal speaks about this in chapter 59 of the Kudumran where he speaks about the tzaddik who's building a heichal akoidesh, and he needs a fire, he has to have a fire of kedusha islavus to help him burn away the ra of the people whom he's coming into contact with, and to, to protect himself, that that ra shouldn't take hold of him. We know that Rabbeinazal, before he passed away, he said one of the reasons why he's leaving the world is because he can't stop he must keep climbing. He must keep going higher and higher. And at this point in his life, in order to go higher, he has to take off his shirt. He has to take off his body. He has to remove the body. <clears throat> He's gotten to a level where the body is no longer allowed entrance. Into, even though he had purified his body, those that are familiar with the story of Rabbi Nezal's life, from when he was a child, a small child, fighting, battling all the taivas, like Rav here, there are levels that when a tzaddik wants to get to those levels, it cannot be done from this world anymore. And Rav said that's why he had to leave at such a young age, 38 and a half years old. The Arizal also left the world at a young age. He's great tzaddikim. Baruch Hashem. Wishing everybody a wonderful day and week. Baruch Hashem, we completed this halacha. This was a project. And now we're going to have two shorter halachas still on the topic of lo yilbash gever simlasisha, that a man is not allowed to put on a woman's clothes and vice versa. And we're approaching the completion of this volume, position. Shbizoycha to absorb what we're learning and to, to apply it to ourselves correctly. Bizoycha to the gula shleimah, amen v'amen. Amen.